Yes, and good morning again. So you get to see me one more time because at the end of the day's service, we're having business meetings, so I got to do Lottie, got to preach, and got to be the moderator. So you get to see me three times today, and we are glad that you're here. Great crowd. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's been good. And we are winding up our crazy gratitude series, Going Crazy Over Being Thankful. This is week number four, and I'm really excited about this message because it brings in... A couple things we just need to talk about that we don't normally talk about unless it's a special time of the year. So if you want to take your Bibles, get ready to Luke chapter 1, verse 44. You might say, well, what does white Christmas have to do with gratitude? Hang on, and if I don't forget to tell you, um, you'll find out in just a very few moments. In Luke chapter 1 and verse number 44, we have the, the setup for the story of Mary. Now, it kind of goes like this. You know the story that, you know, there was a place called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth was... It was just the wrong side of the, of the tracks. It was a town um, that no one wanted to be from. It was forgotten. It was a pretty difficult place to live. And lo and behold, it was there that God found a young girl. And her name was? Mary. Her name was Mary. And lo and behold, an angel shows up and blows her mind, says, hey, Mary, says, big news, you know, you have found favor with God. And it really startled her, and she wasn't sure uh, what that meant. And I decided in this service, I was going to read it because it's just so good. It starts in verse number 30 of Luke chapter 1. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So this was just huge news. And I love this word. What is happening is that God, now watch this word. God is inviting Mary to be the mother of the Savior of the world. I like that. It wasn't like God showed up and said, you've got to do this. He invites her to this. And so she's a little confused, though, because she's a virgin. She says, now wait, how's this going to happen? Because I've never known a man. And, and the angel explained, Mary, the, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and overshadow you. And that thing that you conceive will be the Son of the God. And you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to be the Savior of the world. And you know what Mary said? I mean, you know, probably 14, 16 years old, a, a, a poor girl in a bad town. You know, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And you know, it's so good. When Donnie... When Donnie said this song, it was singing, it just blew my mind because, you know, I chose to believe. And that's exactly, you're going to see that in in the scripture today. But Mary simply chose to believe and she said, well, okay, okay. And and so we're not sure exactly when, but, but then or shortly after there, sure enough, the Holy Spirit overshadows her and she becomes pregnant. And she decides to go see her cousin Elizabeth, who is past childbearing age, and she is pregnant, six months pregnant, and Mary decides to go and see her. And from the moment that she heard it and felt that she was pregnant, she started dreaming of a white Christmas. Because, see, the first Christmas was going to bring the pure and righteous Savior into the world. And she didn't know the song, and she didn't know being... But that's what she was dreaming of. 
the day when the Son of God, her child, was going to be born. So she goes out into the Judean hills to a city that, well, we're not told what city it is. And she gets to the house of Zacharias, and Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and she is carrying John the Baptist, the forerunner, the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He's to go and to announce the fact that Jesus is coming. And here's what's great. The forerunner led the forefront in worship. Well, look what it says. Look at verse number 44 of Luke chapter 1. When I heard your greeting, because Mary walked in the house and said, Hey, Elizabeth. And when she heard that, she said, Elizabeth says, When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. The forerunner could not wait to get out of the womb to start worshiping Jesus. And that's what our teaching point says. You see, John the Baptist couldn't wait till he was born to worship Jesus. And so, and so when, when she hears this voice, the babe hears the voice, and, and, and the Bible says in the womb, he expressed emotion and he worshiped. He jumped for joy. The forerunner couldn't wait to lead the way into worship. Now notice this. He expressed what? Emotion. He leapt. Not only did he leap, it wasn't just a kick in the side. He leapt for joy and was worshiping Jesus Christ. And this is what we need to talk about today. You know, this Luke chapter 1, uh, 44, is one of the strongest pro-life verses in the Bible. Because it proves to us that, that when a woman is pregnant, that, that is not a glob of tissue. It is not a fetus. It is a baby. It is a baby. And, and that baby, that baby worship. Amen. That's, that's something we need to talk about this. And you say, well, how does that fit, Dwayne? Don't you know? Don't you know that, that at the heart of Christmas is life? Amen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. At the very heart of Christmas is life. And so it's so appropriate. So, so we need to understand today. I want to teach today, just briefly, because we don't have a lot of time. But I want to teach you and help you understand that, man, you've got to know, you know that life begins in the womb. Now, listen. We live in a state that is hostile toward life. We live in a state that is hostile, hostile toward life. Our governor has determined that Illinois is going to be a destination state for abortion. For abortion. I learned this from Paula Joy, uh, who works with the Baptist Children's Home and and Angels Cove. Um, And and she said, and we're at the annual meeting, and and it just blew my mind. She said, Dwayne, in Carbondale, Illinois, right now, there are three abortion clinics. And plans for three more. Our governor has determined that Illinois is going to be hostile toward life. It's going to be a destination abortion state. And he is he's authorizing, he's allowing, he's planning abortion clinics around the borders where women can come here and end the lives of their children. Now listen, that's facts. But the question is, what do we do about that? Now, we could, if, if you feel like you need to, you can go down to the abortion clinics and hold a placard. You know, it says abortion is murder. But I'm not sure that's what Jesus would do. I got something better. What about if we were to be 
people, agents of Jesus that would go down and reach out. And I'm not sure what I mean by this, but reach out to these women who have been so misguided about the, the, the abortion and the birth of their child, the death of their child. Man, what, what if we were to go and be agents of redemption and rescue? What if we were to love them? You know, in, in Illinois also, um, you know, the Baptist Children's Home sponsors two things. One is called Grace Haven, and it's a parenting resource center where, where women can go and, and find out about pregnancy tests and all those different things and ultrasounds and all that. And also there's Angel's Cove where a woman who's pregnant can go who needs help. They can go there. So we need to be a part of rescue and redemption. We don't need to sit on our hands Okay, we need to be about what Jesus would do, and it's loving these women. However, we've got to discover, we've got to live it, we've got to show it, because that's what Jesus Christ would want us to do. There's a war in Illinois, folks. There's a war in Illinois, and we've got to decide what are we going to do, and we need to decide with life. We need to decide with life. You know, over in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 5, you know, you know, God is speaking, and he says to Jeremiah, I chose you, you know, before I formed you in the womb. Even before, you know, God says, Jeremiah, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. And Psalm 139, uh, 13 and 14 says, For it was you who created my inward parts, speaking to God. You know, you knit me together. Where? In my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wonderfully made. Life is so precious. And at the heart of Christmas is life. Do you understand something? If somehow Elizabeth and Mary had been alive today, and yes, in the state of Illinois, Elizabeth was too old to be having babies. The Bible says she was well past childbearing age. If she had come to Illinois, they'd have said, now listen, there's too much risk for you. You need to abort this child because you could well die. So there may not have been a John the Baptist. And, and if somehow Mary was alive in this day, and perhaps, well, not just, by the, way, by the way, just not the state of Illinois. They'd say, you're just a poor peasant girl. The last thing you need is to be strapped with a child for the rest of your life. You need to go ahead and terminate the life of this child. See the danger? You know, you know, we love Jeremiah 29, 11, And I know the context of this verse, okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. For every child that is conceived, God has a wonderful plan for their lives. Amen. And we need to do everything we can to make sure they have a chance to live out that life. And those plans. Well, anyway, so so you know we hear you know John the Baptist just for joy in the womb, you know, and then and then she says this. Elizabeth says this. You are blessed. You are blessed because you chose you chose to do to believe that the Lord would do what He said. You know, you are blessed. Because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Do you understand the power of that song? 
Elizabeth's saying, you know, Mary, you're, you're just an ordinary person, but what sets you apart? Now, listen, 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 listen. You know, what set you apart, you know, Mary, was you did something. You chose to believe. You chose to believe. And that's something every one of us can do. I haven't planned on saying this, but it sounds like a pretty good time to say it. We can sit around and whine and complain about our culture and our country and our state, or we can choose to believe that God is still sovereign and He's over everything. We can choose to believe. Amen. 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 That's a good time to clap. We can choose to believe. Francis Chan said this, you know, you know, True faith means holding nothing back. True faith means holding nothing back. It means putting every hope in God's fidelity to keep His promises. In other words, it's choosing to believe that God will keep His word. Well, our teaching point says this. You know, God's selection of Mary to be the mother of Jesus was a matter of grace and God's, God's grace and her faith and obedience. You know, I said this in a different place in the first service, but you can take this to the bank. Mary would be appalled at what we've done to her. We've elevated her and said she, she was sinless like Christ and made a, you know, gold statues and all that. She'd be appalled at that because she'd understand, hey, it was all God's grace. God simply chose her, and she chose to believe and obey. And that's something each one of us can do. Do you understand that? That's something each one of us can do. We all are products of God's grace. All products of God's grace. And then we can choose. Hey, students, this is true for you guys. You know, here you are, and you're, you're 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, and you have the opportunity. Man, here your life is before you, and you get the opportunity to, to understand, okay, God, I don't know what you want to do with my life, okay? But I will have faith, and I will obey. How wonderfully powerful is that? You know, God did his part, grace, and she did her part, she believed. Well, about this time, after the baby leaves, you know, I said, oh, the baby leaves in my womb. And after, you know, you are blessed because you believe. It's then that Mary just kind of explodes in gratitude. And here's what she says. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. This 14, 15, 16-year-old girl from the wrong side of the tracks just explodes and says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. And I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're going, well, of course. Man, she's going to be a rock star the rest of her life. I mean, people are going to, you know, people are going to be that. She didn't know any of that. Nor did she want that. Nor did she want that. Have you ever thought about what this meant? You know, so, yeah, I love you. you know, we, we preach today. Well, we don't. But, you know, certain denominations and certain preachers preach about how just trust Jesus and you never get sick and you get rich and you get Cadillacs and you get gold. Would you point that out to me in the Bible? Because I remember, I remember the story about the 11 guys who followed Jesus. You know, one betrayed him. The other 11 guys... One guy was exiled to an island and lives to be about 90 years old. The rest of them were all martyred. Ain't no rock star in that, baby. 
And you go over to, to Central Asia where some of our missionaries serve, and they, these people choose to follow Jesus. There ain't no rock star there either. We count it the privilege of living and suffering for Christ. There is no rock star. So what's our teaching point say? Well, in spite, now I want you to get this, in spite of all the implications of the virgin birth. Have you thought about that? So, so she says yes. She becomes pregnant. She leaves town on purpose, by the way, in case you didn't figure that out. But God was so cool. God is so cool. You know, he sends the miracle to a miracle. Here, here Mary is now pregnant you know, without a, a, a man. And she goes to see her cousin. And the miracle there is she's well past childbearing age and she's pregnant. So she sends the miracle. The miracle goes to see a miracle. But then she's got to go home. Three or four months pregnant by now. She walks up to see mom and daddy. Anybody want to try to explain that one to mom and daddy? Implications. Joseph hears. The angel ain't showed up yet and explained it all to him. He's saying, well, what do I do? Implications. The neighborhood gossip. I don't, suppose, I don't suppose you have a neighborhood gossip in your neighborhood, do you? I hope you're not him or her. Did you hear about Mary? You know, she's pregnant and it's not Joseph and she, they're not even married and blah, 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 blah. And it followed her all her life. All her life. She was Mary, the one who had a child out of wedlock. Implications. She one day watched her son nailed to a Roman cross, dying the death of death. And she watched as he died. Implications. In spite of all the implications of the virgin birth, Mary chose to worship and be grateful. And that is, that's the power of verse number 40. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord because she chose to worship and be grateful. Listen to me. Please hear me. Have you learned to worship and be grateful despite the implications? Have you learned to worship and be grateful in spite of the implications? Do you find yourself angry today at God because of the implications? Do you understand? Do you find yourself wandering through life going, why, 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 instead of being worshipful and grateful? See, here's the secret. She saw past the complications to the completion. I want to encourage you today to look past the complications of your life and rather see forth to the completion. Well, she says next, how my spirit, now notice this, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is different. This is different. Um, there, of course, we know from the Psalms, there's these moments in the Old Testament. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's these moments when we see God in this benevolence way. But by and large, the average Jew saw God as a distant deity who was constantly mad at them. Wasn't true, but that's where they saw it. But she comes along and says, Oh, how my spirit, how my soul rejoices. In God, my Savior. It's a new day. 
It's a new dawn. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, the dawn is, is that God will now be Father. God. Do you understand the Jews were so guarded of the name of God, they wouldn't even pronounce it? They wouldn't say it? But now, our young peasant girl, Mary, who chose to believe, as Donnie sang about, who chose to worship and be grateful in spite of the implications, she says, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Let's look at verse number 48. I love this. I love this. For he took notice. Aren't you, aren't you glad that you have a God who takes notice? Come on. Aren't you glad? You, you remember when we started the series, it was 10 guys with leprosy. Hey, Jesus, have mercy. They were socially invisible. No one saw them. No one wanted to see them. Nobody wanted to be near them. Hey, Jesus, have mercy on us. Go show yourselves to the priest. He noticed. And healed them. In spite of the fact that only one came back. And he was a Samaritan. Wow. A God who takes notice. You remember week number two? When we're at the house of Simon the Pharisee. And, and, the, and the ex-former prostitute sneaks in there along the wall. And kneels down at the feet of Jesus and begins sobbing. I mean sobbing. Alligator tears. And the tears fall on his feet. And then she takes her hair and washes his feet. And then she takes this expensive jar of perfume and breaks the lid off. And then smears it on his feet. And Jesus noticed. Oh, Simon noticed too. The Pharisee, but Jesus noticed. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. Aren't you glad we have a God who notices? Aren't you glad, aren't you glad, aren't you, aren't you glad we have a God who looks up in sycamore trees? Aren't you, aren't you glad we have a God who not only looks in the obvious, but the inobvious? Zacchaeus! Come on down. I'm going to your house. I need to go to your house today. You know? And, and Zacchaeus couldn't believe that this young rabbi was, was going to be a, a teacher and was going to come to his house. And we don't know what the conversation is about. It's just one word. Meanwhile, while, while the grumblers were grumbling that Jesus was going to be with the house of a sinner, you know, meanwhile, something happened, and Jesus talks to Zacchaeus and shares, I think, the gospel with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, you know, first thing we hear out of his mouth is, okay, the money grabber becomes a grace giver. Hey, Jesus, half of what I own. Somebody say half. half. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, if you got a dollar, 50 cents isn't too bad. But he had lots. He was very rich. Half of what he had, not not even 10%, half of what he had, he gave to the poor. And then he said, you know, if I've stolen any, if I've overcharged people in their taxes, four times. Four times. And Jesus noticed and said, today, today, this man is a true son of Abraham. Aren't you glad we serve a God who knows this? Now look at me. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't even know what God's got planned for you tomorrow. But I can tell you this. You have a God who takes notice. 
He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. We have a God who takes notice. So Mary says what was true, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. What beautiful, beautiful humility. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. All generations will call me blessed. And she's, she, because of her simple faith and obedience, then people are going to call her blessed. Not worshipped, not raised her where she shouldn't be, but call her blessed. And you know how you get that kind of legacy? You start right now with Jesus being Lord. See, it all started when Mary surrendered. She accepted the invitation. Hey, I want you to be the mother of of my son, the Savior of the world. And she said yes. She surrendered. And then she surrendered the Lordship her entire life. And that's the legacy. And again, that's something every one of us can do. You you may not be known for giving tens of thousands of dollars to Lottie Moon. But you can be known as a man, woman, or a student who made Jesus Lord. Lord. So I pray today, as we close, I, I pray today that during this Christmas season, we'll remember that life is at the heart. Be, Father, show me ways that I can reach out and touch people in your name, especially those of considering the life, terminating the life of their baby. Help me to love. Help me to love the difficult ones and not just the easy ones. And then, and then Lord, Lord, help me. Help me this Christmas season to be filled with gratitude. Not, not angry about what I don't have, but grateful for what I do. You know, we always end our, our um, service with a time of decision. Now, if you're here today and you never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you know, just like Mary said yes, you can say yes. And you're not saying yes to denomination. You're not saying yes to being a Baptist. You're not saying yes to even to church. You're saying yes to Jesus who loved you so much he died for you. And just like the song said, oh, you know, choose to believe. Choose to believe. And as we go forth in 2023, the rest of us who know Jesus, let us be the ones who choose to believe. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing. Thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you for teaching us about life today. That all life is precious. Thank you for the forerunner who was at the forefront in worship and in prayer. Thank you for Elizabeth being the encourager when Mary needed it. And thank you for the humble spirit of Mary herself. Now, Father, as we prepare this morning to sing a simple hymn of surrender, I surrender all. May that be real to us. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.